This is Instant Game Reaction, an immediate look back at the Colts' latest game. And trying to make an adjustment on the ball is Michael Pippen. He catches it, and he rumbles across the goal line. Touchdown, a 42-yard strike. Want to air it out downfield, down the far sideline, looking for Zay Jones, and it's intercepted by the Colts. Isaiah Rogers on the return. Gives off to Taylor. He's in. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Jonathan Taylor. Here's your host, J.J. Stankovitz from Colts.com. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Colts Instant Reaction here on the Colts Audio Network. I am J.J. Stankovitz, a sleep-deprived J.J. Stankovitz, <laughs> joined by a, uh, I assume, also sleep-deprived Bill Brooks as we break down the Colts' 12-9 win on Thursday Night Football over the Denver Broncos. Bill, uh, as you're watching this game and you're watching it unfold the way that it did, when did you get a sense of like, yeah, the Colts actually might have a shot to win this game? Because for me, it wasn't until Stephon Gilmore went, you know, got that interception in the end zone just before the two-minute warning where I was like, okay, yeah, actually, like, there's a legitimate chance to win this game. It just, it was such a weird kind of slog of a game that, and it, I never even, I, I should say this too, I never even felt like the Broncos were going to win the game. I just kind of thought the game was going to exist and then... I guess some team was going to win at the end, but it never felt like either team <laughs> was, you know, was in a position to really grab that game and take a hold of it. No, not really. Uh, you know, you thought that maybe if the Broncos had scored on that drive, maybe they would have sealed the game at that point. But uh, at up until that point, no, I did not. The teams are going back and forth. Both teams offensively were struggling, but defensively, the Colts played well and, you know, what can you say about Gilmore making that play in the end zone there and uh, intercepting that ball, doing a nice job? And uh, that was good to see. And it gave the team some excitement, some life. Um, and then to come down, come back and make that drive at the end of the game, uh, Colts, not perfect drive, but a drive that was good enough to, to tie the game up. And then, um, you know, it, they played well enough. You know, it wasn't the best game that they played, but they played well enough. They can take that and – Chalked up as a win, and, and as I said last night to, on the radio, two two and one is a lot better than one three and one, and uh, it was great that the team played well and uh, got that win. All right, so let's talk about Stephon Gilmore to kick this thing off. Um, he was targeted, Bill, nine times in this game, according to Pro Football Focus. Five of those came after the start of the fourth quarter, and he, Gilmore said. Uh, he, he said this on the Amazon Prime postgame show that, you know, they kept they kept testing him and well, he had to make <laughs> Russ pay. And I, I talked to Zaire Franklin after the game and Zaire just he, he was like, it was silly that Denver was throwing it, you know, at him. And it was silly that third down play specifically where it's third and four. There's two minutes and 19 seconds left. And. All Denver has to do is kick a field goal yes, and then force the Colts to do something that they hadn't done all game, which is drive the length of the field and score a touchdown. Exactly. And on that play, the, the Broncos run a, a six-man protection with a chip with the running back. So really it's like three guys are out in routes on that, which I, I think, and they ran play action. I think they just thought, the play action was going to spring someone open. But 
then Russell Wilson throws it in man-to-man coverage on Stephon Gilmore, which is not something that would be affected by play action. Like I asked Gilmore, you know, how do you essentially not cheat for the run, kind of knowing what his answer is being? He was like, I don't care about the run on that play. I'm in man coverage. I'm just running straight with the receiver. So uh, a interesting play call and decision by Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson on it. But then Gilmore, he does such a good job on that play of understanding where he is on the field and knowing that I, he can use the the back of the end zone as kind yes. of a defender to go undercut the route, keep his leverage. Um, just phenomenal technique, as always, from Gilmore and the instincts to to then go jump that route and undercut it, and then the athleticism to actually go make the play. The Colts do not win this game without that specific interception by Stephon Gilmore. No, I agree with you 100%. And give uh, Gilmore credit that he knew where he was at in the field. Uh, that was a guy that understood the situation, understood where he was at in the football field, understand the magnitude of the play, and he just – read his keys. I mean, he did not look in the backfield. He kept his eyes on his man, the receiver, and made a good play. And, you know, the receiver in that point, he should know as well that Gilmore has another defender back there, meaning that he has the back of the end zone as one of his defenders to help him. So whatever route he ran, he needed to flatten it off a little bit more to kind of really give Russell Wilson a lane and a body to throw the ball at. But Gilmore did a great job of undercutting that and, and getting in front of the receiver and making a play. And, you know, that just goes to who Gilmore is. He's a guy that, since he's gotten here, he has just practiced, stayed steady, been prepared, worked hard. And when he's not in any drills in practice, he's working on something. He's working either catching the ball or uh, working on his footwork, something that he is doing almost every day. And it paid off. I mean, and that's why he's the player he is, that's why he's had the uh, success that he's has in the National Football League. League. So uh, give the man credit. And it was, it, was, it was a timely play and a perfect play uh, for the Colts. You know, they got the ball back with about mm-hmm. two minutes and 13 seconds left. And then, uh, you know, the rest is history. The yep. Colts offensively do a nice job, go down and uh, tie the ball game up. The, the pass breakup that sealed the win, kind of similar, um, just in the sense that Gilmore, you know, again, he knew, all right, back of the end zone, I can keep inside leverage here. But he said after the game that, you know, when, when he got lined up on Sutton, the way that Denver was, was giving him a look, he kind of figured it would be a back shoulder fade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you actually look at it, right before the snap, Gilmore kind of drops off in coverage. And then, but this is what makes, this next part's what, it's what, make Gil, what makes Gilmore so good is he said pretty quickly into Sutton's route, he picked up a cue based on the route stem of where Cortland Sutton was going to go with his route. So he's then able to keep his leverage, keep you know that, that inside leverage on that play, and then he's able to recover with his athleticism to go knock that ball away. It was that play encapsulated to me everything that makes Stephon Gilmore great because it was the attention to detail, the technique that he played with, and then the athleticism that he very much still has at the age of 32 to go knock that ball away and win the Colts the game. Yeah, it it was an individual that understood the situation, understood everything that was going to possibly happen where, depending on where the receiver lined up, where they were at on the field, 
what they were doing, um, what more than likely was the likely pass pattern that the receiver would run. So we were playing the percentages. And then once he did that, I mean, didn't, then he just let his athletic ability take over and stay with the uh, receiver. And, you know, they showed a shot of it from the end zone back of uh, Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson had to throw a kind of sidearm yep. um, and into a little hole there. And you just saw Gilmore just close so fast on that ball and just get his hand in there and knock the ball down. And you know what? That was it. That's all he needed to do. He knew what the situation was. All he needed to do was prevent them from scoring uh, for, from a defensive back standpoint. And the defense needed to hopefully stop him from getting a first down or scoring. And they did that. So give Gilly credit. He was uh, a guy that's just, you know, as I said earlier, just been steady since he's got here, just been working, just been a professional, doing all the things you like to see out of a young man that uh, is on this team that other young people can look at and say, hey, this is how you do it. This is how you play. This is how you prepare and just work at your craft day in and day out. Now, we should should say, too, that on the backside of that play, um, KJ, yes. KJ Hamler was wide open. Yes, and he was. <laughs> it, was that, it was one of those plays that you are you're thankful that Russell Wilson either was not coached to look at that side or he just didn't. Because the, what Denver did, there was no defending that. It was this beautiful switch release, kind of a natural pick, and yep. Hamler flashes open. It, it was one of those plays where if Denver hit that, yes, it's a game-winning touchdown, but you'd just be like, well, you can't, you can't defend that. It's fourth and one of the goal, you know, at the five-yard yeah. line. There's, there is no defense to defend what the Broncos did on the backside of the play. Wilson, again, he either was not coached to go there early in the down, or he just did it. Whatever it is, the, the fact of the matter is K.J. Hamler was open. He didn't throw him the ball. Thankfully, he didn't throw him the ball. And we got to see Stephon Gilmore make this great play. Exactly. And, and I don't know, to be honest with you, I really don't know why Russell didn't look over there quickly at first, as soon as he got the ball, just look over there because that's a quick hitting play. So if it's going to happen, you look over there first. Then if whatever reason the defense covers it and stops it and, and plays a good defense, then you get off of it and go back to the backside because it takes time for the, the route in the backside to uh, take effect because that's, what, that's the idea of the play. Look over there quickly, and hopefully you get a, a quick hitting play on the right side with Hamels, and then if that's not there, then go backside. So uh, for whatever reason, Russell didn't look, look over there, so I'm happy that happened. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm happy uh, you know, that Gilmore made that play, but you know, like I said, when the opportunity comes to make plays, you just got to make plays, and Gilmore did. He made the play that he needed to make uh, to seal the win for the Colts, and you know what? Colts get a 12-9 win. Was it pretty? No, it wasn't pretty, but we won, and that's all that matters. Stephon Gilmore, <coughs> excuse me, Bill. Stephon Gilmore in this game was the most targeted Colts cornerback or Colts defender. Russell Wilson threw at Stephon Gilmore more than any other player on the field. Nine targets. Uh, Stephon Gilmore allowed five receptions on those, according to Pro Football Focus. Only two first downs, uh, really not a, lot of, not a lot of yards after the catch. He did a really good job, especially in the fourth quarter, with some tough tackles on Cortland Sutton. Um, yes. That's something we've noticed about Gilmore, too, is his physicality has really shown up here. Um, just a tremendous game for Stephon Gilmore, but he was not the only player on the Colts defense to have a tremendous game. How about DeForest Buckner? My goodness. I mean, <laughs> this was like a vintage 
DeForest Buckner game. He gets two sacks, two quarterback hits, one tackle for a loss, one pass breakup, and a forced fumble. Um, eight total tackles. That was second on the team. Just a, I mean, he got he got matched up one on one in some certain situations, and he did not miss in those spots. Just a, a, an incredibly impactful game, and for the just to to kind of put a bow on this bill with Buck. When you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson, who is not, you know, he's on the shorter side of things, I got to figure that the last thing he wants is pressure in his face. Exactly. From a guy in DeForest Buckner who's probably seven inches taller than he is. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and Buckner played a, played a very, very good game and did a nice job out there uh, just putting pressure on Russell up the middle, uh, of course, tackling, getting pressure on him. And also, a, a man that size, and when he puts his hands up, his arms up, he, I mean, how big is that man when, he, when, when he's coming at you? And you see, <laughs> and you're, trying to, you're trying to throw the ball, and he puts his arms up. It makes it very difficult for, for Russ to find a window to throw the ball through. So uh, Buck played well, of course, increased his number of plays this, this week uh, from last week, and that's due to, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming his, his arm is feeling better. Um, so, you know, give the man credit for fighting through uh, the injury, the the pain that he's going through, but also playing extremely well and being a leader out there on the football field. Unique Ngakwe gets a sack and a half. Um, he, he did a really nice job. The Colts earlier in the game, the Rodney McLeod had a blitz where he came free. He didn't hit home, but uh, really good cleanup pressures from Dio Odangbo and Yannick yes. Ngakwe right there. Jan added another sack, uh, had two quarterback hits, a tackle for a loss. Really impactful game for him off the edge. Um, we should mention Quiddy Pay. I thought he was playing really well uh, before he had the ankle injury. We don't know the severity of it right now on Friday morning, but he did leave on the cart from Empower Field at Mile High. So, um, But, you know, Dio Dangbo stepped up in this game without Taekwon Lewis. He was out there quite a bit. He gets that half sack. He gets two quarterback hits. Did a really nice job against the run as well. So, uh, Colts defense, and then I mean, Bill, I didn't even mention Grover Stewart, but no, Grove, another, an, I know that's a huge, that's a huge <laughs> miss on my part, uh, because Grove had another great game against the run, and then the blocked field goal he had, another one of those plays where in a, a three point game where no one can get in the end zone, that saved the Colts three points right there, just a great exactly. play, exactly, and you know, and I said that because. We tend to overlook Grove because he's so he's stuck down there in the middle mm-hmm. and he's just making plays, making plays, you know, sacrificing what he has to do for the, the good of the team. And, you know, he makes a play on special teams where, you know, he blocks the uh, field goal and saves three points. But Grove has been steady all season long. He's just been steady, steady, steady all season long. And someone that the coach are counting on game in and game out, game in and game out and doing a nice job out there on the football field and being one of the leaders on the defense. Uh, Kenny Moore II had a really impressive pass breakup in the end zone. Uh, that was a play he said after the game. The the Jaguars ran that play with some success against him in Week Two. So you, you like to see the progression that he's had in you know getting more comfortable in his technique there, and then coming up with a big play because I mean he doesn't make that play, the Broncos get a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, and, and then Rodney Thomas II, three. I mean. He should have had three interceptions in this game. He, he felt like he should have came down at the first one on the deep ball to Judy. He got the pass breakup. He thought he should have caught that. Then he gets the, uh, the, the moon ball from Russell Wilson where the ref just 
kind of is in the way. Yeah. And um, Frank Reich thought Rodney was going to have a pick on that. When Russ let that ball go, Ronnie Thomas has about four yards of depth on Jerry Judy, or uh, excuse me, Cortland Sutton, running downfield there. Um, and the way that Rodney Thomas has played, he was going to make a play on that ball, if not come down with it. it. It was kind of a just a, you know, Russ was under pressure, and he just threw it as deep as he could. And um, yeah, I think I think Thomas at least gets a pass breakup on that play, if not an interception. And then he comes down with the easy one, where Wilson just kind of throws an arm punt to him, which is yeah. interesting because it was an arm punt from inside the 40. Um, and he comes down with it. I mean, he, he came pretty close to returning that for, exactly. for a score, too. So you love to see just the, the athleticism, the instincts, the football IQ from this kid out of Yale. Seventh-round pick, and he has played tremendously since stepping in for Julian Blackman. Yeah, you like to see that. You like to see young guys that, you know, prepare – and be ready to play at any time, not knowing when their number is going to be called. And Rodney has done that. He's stepped in, he's played, he's prepared himself, and he has a pick. Could have had, an, could have had another pick if it wasn't for the ref, um, I believe. Um, so, you know, give the young man credit. And he's not just this game, but last game he breaks up on a play that, you know, mm-hmm. he covered so much ground, even though it was a penalty on the play against Kansas City, uh, not last week, the week before last, against Kansas City. Um, and he covered so much ground. So give the man credit. He, he's playing well. He's doing a good job. Um, I like what I see from the young man. He even told he even told me, Bill, that on that play against Kansas City, he thought he should have had a pick on that. I love that. I love. But I, <laughs> I love I, that attitude. I know. I do too. Like this guy. This guy. It, like for being a seventh round pick out of Yale, who was not invited to the NFL Combine. Um, this is not too big for him at all. No. No, not at all. He and he's he's playing well. He's fitting with the with the guys. He he's a good teammate and he's just playing hard and you know that just shows the young man's prepared. He you know he he's going in there. He's trying to learn. He's learning from the vets, the guys that have been there before and have done it and just just keep his head down, does his job and just like I said earlier, for these guys to prepare and be ready to play whenever their number's called, that's what you need to do as a young player because you don't know when your number's going to be called. You know what? Right now, Rodney's number got called early, unfortunately, due to an injury. But you know what? A lot of guys don't get a chance to play until maybe week eight, nine, or ten. And for you to stay mentally sharp and mentally aware of all the things that's going around you and being prepared to play once the game starts, give the give credit to those young men that are, are prepared and ready to go. And Rodney Thomas is one of those guys that is prepared and ready to go. All right, so Denver finishes 2 of 15 on third down. That is 13%. <laughs> 0 of 4 yeah. in the red zone. They had they entered this game with the worst red zone offense in the NFL, only converting 30% of their drives inside the 20 into touchdowns. That number has since decreased thanks to the tremendous play of the Colts defense. Two drives for Denver did end in the end zone, but they were both because of Stephon Gilmore. Yes. <laughs> so That's, that's <laughs> where we like it to end. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um the Colts also did not have a drive end in the end zone. Um, but one thing, and there are so many different ways we can take this. Um, one thing that I, I think stood out, and I was talking about this with Rick Venturi at, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning on the bus going to the airport, was, you know, Russell Wilson goes down, he throws the interception in the end zone. Matt Ryan on that third and six, which, by the way, I don't understand why there was a delay of game penalty uh, when ask me. the concussion spotter took a guy out of the game, but then there were seven seconds on the play. That, neither here nor there. 
But on that third and six, Matt Ryan drops back, doesn't see anything, and he just <clears throat> he rifles it. <clears throat> excuse me. He mm-hmm. rifles it out of the end zone. And <clears throat> it's, it's like that's what Russell Wilson probably should have done on the interception he threw to Gilmore. Matt Ryan, credit to him for having the wherewithal of like one, two, nothing's here. I can't take a sack. I'm just going to throw it through the uprights. Um, I know that's probably not what anyone wants to hear right now, but in a game where it was so tight, those little things matter so much. And Matt Ryan, hey, you know, credit to him for identifying, I'm not forcing this and I'm not taking a sack, so I'm just going to get rid of it and, you know, throw it into the stands. That's a guy that's played 14 years in the National Football League, understanding the situation, understanding where you're at in the football field, understanding how much time is left on the clock, saying, hey, look, you know what? If nothing is there, once I hit my back foot and I don't see anything open or I see something that, you know, it might be a little little tight, I'm going to get rid of the ball to save some time on the clock, give us an opportunity to kick a field goal. And that's what he did. And that's just being a veteran, that's being a savvy veteran that understood the situation and got rid of the ball. Like I said, Russell Wilson, I think Russell Wilson wanted to make the hero play because I think, you know, he might be feeling the pressure in Denver. Yeah, You know, they're not playing well. The offense is not moving the ball. So he might feel that pressure and, you know, trying to make a hero play, which you don't need to do. He has good players around him. Um, You know, just trust your teammates and trust the situation, what you need to do to win a football game. And Matt Ryan did that. That's that's just a vet knowing the situation, understanding uh, what's going on around him and understanding the big picture that, you know, at the bottom line is trying to win this game. Yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan on those last two drives, um, you know, he leaned heavily on Alec Pierce, yep. which was really good because, the, you know, throughout the game, Pat Sertan, he's, he's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. He was on Michael Pittman Jr. quite a bit. And, you know, you, the Denver uh, was down Ronald Darby, one of their starting corners. And Matt Ryan said, hey, I'm just going to get the ball to Alec because, you know, you don't want Sertan to make a play on the ball. And Alec's playing really well, and, and credit Alec Pierce, the, the amount of contested catches he made in that game. Just, I mean, the one where the ball is spinning end over end like a punt to, to kick off uh, one of those scoring drives, just a great, great job of concentration. Some of the balls that he just, like, scooped off the ground were tremendous. And, <clears throat> you know, the, the connection between Ryan and Alec looks really strong and, and that's a very encouraging thing going forward that Matt Ryan trusts Alec Pierce not only to get open, but in tight spaces that he can go up and make a play on a ball. Yes, he trusts Alec a lot now, I think, because the more that they're playing together in game situations, the more that they're working together in practice, uh, Ryan is co- Matt's becoming more comfortable with Alec, and Alec's becoming more comfortable playing in the National Football League, going against guys that, you know, not college guys, but professional guys that – are going to contest every ball is thrown. They're going to play good defense. And Alec is fighting to win those balls, uh, win those battles and get the ball. So give Alec credit for that. You know, he was targeted nine times, came down the ball eight times for 81 yards and along of 17 yards. So give the man credit. He's playing well. And, you know, the ball that was <laughs> that got tipped or it flooded, however, got there. You know, those are some of the difficult ones to catch. Uh, because you don't understand the speed of the ball. You don't see it as far as coming like it normally comes. And then all of a sudden you have to adjust your body to uh, get to the ball. And also at the time, if someone's going, the defender's on you, kind of box him out the mm-hmm. way the ball was coming. So 
he did a nice job of going to get the ball and, and keeping uh, his body between the ball and the defender. So, and making those tough catches on the ground, you know, so those, those are very difficult catches when you have to get your hands up under the ball and make sure the ball doesn't bounce and control the ball and, and hold on to it. You know, the, the, after the game, hearing from Frank Reich and, and some of Matt Ryan's teammates, just about how he is in the fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why he is the most fourth quarter comebacks since 2008. Um, and, you know, that's a span that includes, you know, just a guy named Tom Brady and Drew Brees, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, some other guys who are, you know, Philip Rivers, guys who are going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. Uh, that, that mentality that he has, I think that the thing with Matt Ryan is that he doesn't get rattled. And no. he had every reason to get rattled with the, the number of third and longs. 13 of the Colts' 16 third downs required six or more yards to pick up wow. the first down. Uh, wow. You know, they had they had just so many of those third and 11s, third and eight, where that Broncos pass rush is so good with Bradley Chubb and Baron Browning, who was, I mean, like shot out of a cannon uh, with his get off. And some of the, the looks that they gave an offensive line that was reshuffled on a short week, uh, you know, really difficult. And, and Matt Ryan sacked six times for 51 yards, but there was no flinch to him in the fourth quarter, and his teammates fed off of that. You know, when you see your quarterback, your 14-year veteran, keeping that same mentality of, hey, let's just get the next one, if you're Alec Pierce or you're Deion Jackson, you notice that. You pick up on that, I got to imagine, Bill, when you see, hey, our starting quarterback, he hasn't lost confidence, why should I? No, exactly, and, and, and like you said, the young players pick up on that. They're, they're not only just listening to what you say and, and, and things like that, but they're looking at your body language. They're looking at your expression on your face. They're looking at how are you carrying yourself. And when Matt Ryan carries himself in the way that, hey, look, guys, we're down to our last drive. We're going we're gonna to make something happen. We're going to tie this game up or we're going to win this game. So just do your job. I'm going to do my job. I'm not worried about what happened in the past. Let's focus on right now. And when you see a player uh, of Matt's caliber doing that, there's nothing else for you to do but go out there and play. And you need to go out and play and play hard. And, you know, you look at the last drive of the fourth quarter, go down, score, tie the game up. First drive of overtime, go down, kick, go ahead. I mean, those two drives, that alone, just won the game. It's the last two drives, really, of the game, <laughs> of the regu and regulation. You go down, you tie it up, and then you go into overtime, you win the toss, and then you go down again on the first drive. You kick a field goal and put pressure on their defense their offense and let our defense go out and do the job that they need to do to stop the team uh, from scoring any points and win the ball game so give matt ryan a lot of credit for just being the leader that he is and uh, executing those last two drives uh, of the game very interested to see what shakes out with the colts offensive line going forward uh that was kind of the the big news pregame that um you know i i think it was maybe unexpected from uh, you know, observers like you and I where, okay, you got Bernard Ryman at left tackle, Quentin Nelson at left guard, Ryan Kelly at center, Braden Smith playing right guard, a position he played in college but has not really played in the NFL, and then Matt Pryor moving from the left to right side for this game. Um, you know, I thought the run game had a little bit more juice today. Um, you know, Deion Jackson and Phil Lindsay, it's not like they were – you know, incredibly explosive, but it just, it felt better. Um, 
with some of the things they were able to get to. You know, Jackson, 13 carries for 62 yards. Philip Lindsay, 11 for 40. But, uh, you know, the pass protection on stunts continues to be something that, until the Colts get that figured out as an offensive line, is something that teams are going to keep throwing at them. You know, the Jaguars kind of gave everyone the playbook in a copycat league with what they did in week two with some of those twists and stunts that they ran. And now you're seeing that's what you're getting. You know, those plays where Denver had Baron Browning lined up outside and he kind of run ran a game to the interior. And it was just like him, that, that real, Baron Browning's one of the most athletic players I've ever seen on yes. a football field. Yes, that's what exactly. I'm trying to say. That guy is really <laughs> impressive. There are not a lot of tackles or guards in the NFL who are going to stop Baron Browning on some of those rushes he had. But those stunts and those things are things that the Colts offensive line still has to clean up and, and get better at. And the Colts, you know, no one after this game was saying, man, the offense played great. Or, you know, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we, we're, you know, we got this. It was, we need to get better, but we won this game. It's a gritty win on Thursday night on a short week. There is never a situation, Bill, in which you do not celebrate winning a Thursday night game because that is a tough week to play. And to do it when you had a lot of things going against you in terms of the way Denver was playing on defense and, you know, the, the crowd being really into it early on. Um, it's just, it, I, I don't care how ugly this, or of a, you know, how much of a slog this maybe was. This is a good win for the Colts. A win is a win. And yes, was it, was it ugly? Yeah, it was ugly. Let, let's face it. it. It wasn't, it wasn't pretty, but it was, what you need to do to win a football game, no matter what it takes. That's what you do in the National Football League, and especially, as you said, J.J., on a Thursday night on the road where you're just coming off a loss against a division opponent in Tennessee. You're going to a hostile environment. You're going to play, uh, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League, a defense that is one of the better defenses in the National Football League. You go down there, no, you don't play as well as you would like to play. You make some mistakes on offense. There's some things you need to clean up and you, you want to do. And, and you're going there without some of your big name, so-called big name players with JT's not able to play. Shaquille Leonard's not able to play. Julian Blackman's out. You got Tyquan Lewis out. So you, you miss some guys. And then at the beginning of the game, Naheem Hines goes out. Yeah. And, you know, you have uh, Kelly goes out. Ryan Kelly goes out. You know, then you miss Quiddy Pay. So there are a lot of things that are going against you but you find a way to get a win, and that's the bottom line. You, get, you find a way to get a win. It wasn't pretty. Um, you, just, you just fight, 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 and, and, and grind it out. And at the end of the day, you come back home on the flight with a win, and you get a couple of days off, rest up, and get ready for another division opponent coming um, next Sunday in Lucas Oil. Real quick, Bill, before we get out of here, uh, shout-out to Chase McLaughlin. He uh, hit, yes. I mean, what a game he had. He hit from 52, 51, 31, and then 48. And that 31-yarder tied the game with eight seconds to go. So critical kicks from distance, critical kicks in critical moments. Um, you know, the, the Rocky Mountain Air does a little bit to kick distance, but, man, he, all those kicks were right down the middle. They were accurate and they were strong. No, it, 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 like I said, the distance, yeah, it plays a part. It definitely does play a part in kicking uh, the football and kicking field goals and extra points. But the accuracy, to me, is what's most important. And he put those balls right down the middle, um, and that's what he needed to do. And when the pressure was on for him to make a play, he stepped up and made a play at the final drive and then in overtime. So give the man credit. And you know what? 
Field goals count as points as well, so you'll take them, <laughs> um, you know. So, yeah, would well, we like to score touchdowns? Of course we would and get some more points, but uh, we didn't do that, and the field goals uh, count, and that's what won the game for us. That's the, this was the first Colts victory in which they did not score a touchdown since the divisional round of the 2006 playoffs, a 15-6 to win over the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so it's been a little while, but I don't know, Bill, what happened after that? win over the Ravens. Did the Colts do something in those playoffs? Uh, I don't know. They, uh, they might do something a little bit, you know, yeah, some, 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 you know, I carried on a little bit more and just a little bit of something, yeah, something you know, later you know, on. Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> not saying, not saying that's where this season is going, but you know, just uh, never, you, you can have an uninspiring offensive performance or stretch of games as an offense and come out on the other end of it. You can. Yes, you definitely, definitely can. You know what? We've, we've played five games. We have 12 more games to go in the regular season. Anything can happen between now and the end of the season. Uh, and I expect this team to get better going forward, especially the offensive line getting better. I expect the whole offense to get better, and I expect the defense to continue to play and continue to improve as the season goes on, and the special teams continue to do the same thing. So if they can continue to make improvements as the season goes on, when it comes down to the end of the season, you know what? You look back and say, hey, this is where we want to be. We have an opportunity to reach all of our goals still at the end of the season. And then if that's the case, then everything is, you know, is, is okay. and You've done everything you're supposed to do to get yourself in the position to reach all your goals. All right. Well, Bill, you mentioned it. A big game coming up next weekend against the Jacksonville Jaguars at Lucas Oil Stadium. A critical game in the AFC South early in the season. We will be back here on the Colts Audio Network with another episode of Instant Reaction following that game next Sunday. But for right now, Bill, I'm going to go to sleep. Get some rest, JJ. It's been a <laughs> long day for you. You went out to Denver and you flew back yep. and you only got a few hours of sleep. Oh, I shouldn't say. A no, few minutes, it, a few minutes yeah, of sleep. Minutes. I'm sorry. Yeah, measured in <laughs> few, minutes. <laughs> a few minutes of sleep. Uh, you know, thanks for doing this and, and staying up and you know, getting a very uh, little sleep and doing this, but uh, get some rest and uh, be ready to go for next week. All right. Well, stick with us here on the Colts Audio Network all week long for plenty of content, wrapping up the Colts and Broncos, and then looking ahead to the Colts and Jaguars. Anyways, for Bill Brooks, I'm JJ Stankovitz. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time here on the Colts Audio Network.